0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording live from my Brooklyn solarium. Dear friends, you know, I, I, I want to say that yesterday I was pissed and I still remain pissed about the world's reactions to South African scientists discovering the Omicron Omicron, Omnicron, Omarion, the fucking O variant is what I'm going to start referring to it as. Um, you know, I will have a discussion in a little bit with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. and we have opposing views on the travel ban that was instituted by the United States and many other nations with regard to blocking South Africa and the surrounding countries from being able to enter into their country. And I say this, that we cannot divorce ourselves from the reality of colonization, white supremacy, and manifest destiny, right? We cannot divorce ourselves and suspend reality in the way to make space for what is unrealistic, right? Which is the fact that, oh, The travel bans were instituted because, you know, we want to do the right thing. We want to prevent the spread. We want to do all of this stuff. Well, yeah, that's all great and fine, except at the same time that the Omicron variant was discovered in South Africa, it had already been discovered in Belgium. It had already made its way to the Netherlands. It had already shown up in other parts of the world. And yet, yet those that discovered it and chose to be transparent about that information were then economically hindered and shunned. You know, you had, um, secretary Blinken, uh, say, and, and refer to what the South African scientists have done as being extraordinarily, uh, transparent. And I said, so is this how we reward transparency? And how is it that not one fucking reporter as of yet has still asked the question, why when the variant was discovered in other places, was it that only African nations were banned? Right? Like that's the question. And I just don't understand why we make shit that is easy, super fucking complicated. Right? And I'm saying Put people on the defense. Make them have to give you the reason outside of racism, outside of xenophobia, as to why when it comes to things being discovered in black and brown nations, that there's a rush for quote unquote isolation. But when it's discovered in your white countries, right, or whiter countries, demographically, that then it's, oh, our neighbors, our colleagues, and these are the things that we're going to be doing. I'm just saying, call a fucking spade a spade. And right now I'm calling bullshit on the Biden administration. I'm calling bullshit on the UK. I'm calling bullshit on Switzerland. I'm calling bullshit on Germany because those countries right outside of the United States that gave their tepid endorsement for ending trips, right? For ending right? The inability for poorer, lower income nations to be able to create their own vaccines by lifting the fucking patents, by lifting the intellectual property guards on the vaccine so that everyone in the world can get fucking vaccinated, right? Like folks, when you start to pull back the veil, the shit is not that deep, Right? It comes back to two things. It comes back to racism and capitalism. The things that have us all collectively going to fucking die of whiteness. Right? And I'm just like, I'm exhausted with trying to twist myself into different states of being to say the same things over and over and over again. Um, You know, I also want to talk about the mainstream media's inability to fucking call out racist and just say the fucking word, just in the same way that abortion advocates are looking for this administration to stop using things, statements like safe and, uh, uh, safe and, and limited, you know, in terms of, a, a in terms of abortion or safe and rarely used, um, in terms of abortion, it's like, we want abortions to be safe and used whenever the fuck they are needed. Right. Not rare. Right not abundant when they are needed, period, full stop. So just like abortion activists are waiting for the Biden administration to get their shit together and pull their narrative away from the 1990s and into the 21st century, I too am waiting for mainstream media to actually refer to the Republican Party as the white supremacist terrorist party. I am waiting for them to fucking call out the Lauren Boeberts and the fucking Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Josh Hawley's, right? And the Ted Cruz's and the Lindsey Graham's, right? And call them out for their fucking racism. If you have an entire party filled with Lauren Boeberts and Marjorie Taylor Greens, and every single other day out of their fucking stupid mouths, right, is some hot racist anti-Muslim, xenophobic shit, and you can't even muster, muster a response, muster a condemnation, right? Even pretend that this isn't who your fucking party is. Then they are showing you who the fuck they are. So why are you making it up that you don't know where their hearts and souls lie? Why are you making it up? Does somebody need to say the N word on television? right? Holding a fucking noose in one hand and the fucking hood in the other for people to recognize that racism is rampant and white supremacy is on the rise. And it has a leading force in an entire political party. Like if that is our barometer, dear friends. And just wait a couple of weeks because I'm sure that that's where Lauren Brobert is going with her bullshit call to Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, where... She's on the other line, Representative Omar, waiting for the fucking apology, or at least the offer of a public apology for your hot fucking anti-Muslim shit, and then you want to turn around and screech and call names and then have a whole press conference about how you're the victim? Karen, sit the fuck down, right? Like, I am just exhausted, by them as a whole. You don't know how government works. You're not interested in governing for the people, for the stupid motherfuckers that voted you into office in the goddamn place, right? Like I cannot believe every single day I tell you because I tell the story about how excited and proud I was to work on Capitol Hill and every fucking day that I got to talk about Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene or whatever other dumb fuck shit from the Republican party makes my blood boil. It makes me fucking sick to my stomach that these people are wearing a congressional pin, right? That Marjorie Taylor Greene is working overtime to get Kyle Rittenhouse a congressional gold medal of freedom for being a fucking murderer. That this is the state of where we are. But remember that before his fucking death, which should have been a long time coming, Rush Limbaugh also received the highest medal in the land from Donald Trump. So we already know that these medals now are tarnished, right? For decades, decades to come, if this is what you're going to fucking do. But let me say this on the Rittenhouse front. My God, do I want to applaud the young college folks at Arizona State University. So apparently it was said that, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, after being acquitted for killing two people uh, and wounding another one, was going to re-enroll or enroll for the first time, who the fuck knows, um, at Arizona state. Well, as it turns out, um, these other college kids don't want to go to school with a fucking murderer. And so they staged protests, wrote demands, and now it is being reported that Kyle Rittenhouse is no longer enrolled at said school and that he is taking a pause. Yeah. Pause and recognize that outside of the fucking MAGA bubble, the world knows that you're a murderer, you piece of shit, right? That outside of your little Mar-a-Lago tour that you got with Donald Trump, that your name is going to be synonymous with murderer. So when you are looking to go to school, to get a job, maybe just stay within that MAGA path because that's the only shit that's going to work for you, right? Right? And I want this to be a lesson to any other university that he is thinking about attending that is not Liberty University, or maybe, you know, Trump University will be back again, right? Because what is old is always new again. That I want him to have nowhere to go, to have no job. I don't want Kyle Rittenhouse ever casually sitting down anywhere enjoying himself. Because you know what? The two families that he ruined, right? The people's lives that he took will never see normalcy ever fucking again, and neither should he. He should be made to feel uncomfortable, made to feel fucking sick. I want to hear from years down the road that he is a fucking shut-in. That's what I want. And people can say, "Oh, Danielle, that's too much." blah blah blah. No, do you know what's too much? Rage-filled white men with guns, being able to turn our society into their fucking playground, into the wild, wild west, where they can go out and they can call citizens arrest or they can decide that somebody shouldn't belong and that a black person needs to show their papers or that they're going to go and protect property and do what other people wouldn't do, right? That's what is said about Kyle Rittenhouse. So I want the rest of us the majority, right, of us to make it so fucking uncomfortable for him to exist. That's what I want. That's what I want his future to look like because he robbed two people, two families of their future with their loved one. And he will never face the consequences for it. And so, you know, to put white people on notice too, because the people that he murdered were not black and brown people, right? Because that would have just been a given that he was going to go to jail, that he wasn't going to go to jail, right? Because that's what we do here in America. But it puts other white folks on notice and saying, wait a minute. So by me going out and supporting, you know, a protest and airing my First Amendment rights that I could be taken down, This is unjust. This is not right. Well, this is the norm for black and brown people in this country that I hope that white folks are waking up to. Because what you are seeing as the tide continues to turn and the tempest continues to churn in this country is that you are not safe either. That you will no longer be afforded the protection of your whiteness. And so what does that mean? It is clear and evident that the battle lines in this country have been drawn. Right? You have people asking, well, how many elections do we got to keep doing before I get to use my guns? That was a real question that was recorded and asked at a right wing rally. They are geared up and ready, folks. The Written House decision, Lauren Boebert's actions. Right. They are all just adding consistent fuel to the fire that continues to rage and go unchecked. And when we pretend. Right. When we pretend that a guilty verdict in the McMichaels case somehow nullifies the not guilty verdict in the Rittenhouse case, we are being intellectually dishonest about where we are in America, where we are in the world. You shouldn't have to get down on both knees, hope and pray to whatever God you believe in or don't, that the criminal justice system is going to function in the way that it was created to function, which was to be quote unquote non-seeing, right? But it sees everything. It sees color. It sees class. It sees creed, right? And bases its judgments on all of those things. I'm just so tired of it all because what I realize there's just nowhere to look where you can say, oh, that's not about racism. Oh, that's not about capitalism, right? Like, oh, it's about something else. It isn't. And the sooner that we recognize that and make people accountable to that truth, the better off we will all be. Coming up next, friends, is my conversation with our woke Wednesday good doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, talking about a recent piece in the Washington Post about Republicans, you know, willing to kill their constituency. Folks, you know that when it is Wednesday, we are lucky to be joined by our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Mepsel, the author of Dying of Whiteness, who runs us through how this country and possibly the entire globe is, in fact, going to die of whiteness. Um, Jonathan, this week in The Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin wrote a piece that I swear to God, if she had read your book, she wouldn't have needed to write the piece, But it was entitled, The GOP Doesn't Care About the Suffering It Causes Even Among Its Own Base. And in it, she goes on to report about how Florida, Iowa, Kansas, and Tennessee have just recently changed their unemployment insurance rules to allow workers who are fired to quit over vaccine mandates to get benefits. Um, she pointed to the fact that former White House physician, uh, now Representative Ronnie Jackson, Republican from Texas, um, known for his, as she as she writes here, unintentionally comedic flattery of the former president and for describing the Biden administration's vaccine program as socialist communist Marxist, uh, has piped up with an insane conspiracy theory that he says that he believes that they're going to, Democrats, are going to come up with MEV, the midterm election variant, because apparently Ronnie Jackson thinks that the entire world that is suffering from a global health pandemic is just doing so to fuck with Republicans. Um, You know, in this piece, Jennifer runs through the ways in which, particularly, let me read you this part. Florida has now seen more than 61,000 coronavirus deaths, about 284 for every 100,000 residents. New York, by comparison, has seen 56,645 deaths, 280 per 100,000 residents, 1 year ago before the vaccines New York's per capita toll was nearly twice Florida's what does this tell you where we are right now
2: Well I I like that piece by Jennifer I think she did a good job um she has my book because I hand delivered it to her <laughs> I gave it to her at Politicon <laughs> 2 years ago um but but I don't have I don't have any ownership of this issue I mean really honestly everybody's kind of Alarmed about this. We just had a big piece in Tennessee, and the Tennesseans doing great reporting, where they found over seventeen thousand um, rural red state people died from COVID who were unvaccinated. But there was no data. They they, they actually stopped calling the data, so nobody knew about it. I think it was like ninety percent of the people who were dying were unvaccinated. But just like the gun debate, I mean that's the issue for me. I've been studying the gun debate for a decade before all this pandemic crap, and I've just seen you know it just it feels like deja vu but if there's a deja vu that's also like 50,000 times more amplified that's kind of what it is right now because what they learned from the gun debate is if you couch something as a front to your liberty or your freedom it's a great way to get people to act against their own biological self-interest against their own public health self-interest um, by telling them we're going to take power and you're going to be part of the winning team you're going to be taking power over the minority groups or liberals or uh, traitors, anything like that. And so in a way, the Republic, I just, I mean, I think the issue for me, and I'm kind of saying nine things at one time because I'm so charged by this right now, is that people shouldn't think of the Republican Party as a, as a governing party that looks out for the interests of of its people. It's a, it's a theory of power. It's a theory of how to get and own power. And just like any army that takes power, there are people at the top and there are people at the bottom who are disposable. And so in a way, everybody is kind of signing up for this army, but I don't think we should think, oh my God, these guys aren't, you know, they're voting for their self-interest, their self-interest is power and white supremacy. It's not public health. It's not communal public health. And so I just, I don't think there's almost anything surprising about it anymore, even though we do need to keep pointing it out number one. And then number two, try to think about ways we can unhook this system. I think it's actually easier to think about how to address the Republican Party. If we don't think of it as a governing party, we think of it as just a power power scheme kind of which is mm-hmm. what it is. Um mm-hmm. but I, I just think this shock of like, oh my God, people I mean, there's there's no thing. Like I've studied gun violence for ten years. People in red states were dying of gun suicide. The, the, the effects of guns on their own kids' schools was never more clear. But because this was being coded as like individual choice, freedom, liberty against all the encroaching, you know, evil liberals and all that kind of stuff, people would just kept signing up for it. And the other part about the gun debate is that not only did they train people to hate public health, to, to resist public health, they also trained people. Not to have access to the data. I mean that there was ten years of, of squelching all the data, and so there was no, there was there was no no public health infrastructure. So in a way, this the, I just it's just crazy to me that we've seen all this before on a smaller scale. They're basically just nationalizing the exact same playbook they've done with guns for the past you know thirty years.
0: This is one of the things that uh, Ruben says in her piece as well. Their coronavirus death cult may be the most egregious example of Republicans' destructive oppositional behavior, but it is hardly the only one. MAGA hardliners still want to punish the 13 House Republicans who had the temerity to vote for the infrastructure bill on the grounds that it would help their constituents. They'll countenance for that. She says, likewise, Republicans voted unanimously against the American Rescue Plan, but then touted its benefits, including the bill's programs to help struggling restaurants. And while Republicans have been ranting about inflation, they also voted unanimously in the House against the Build Back Better Plan, which would, among other things, have reduced the cost of childcare, housing, Affordable Care Act premiums, and prescription drugs for millions of people. She said, it's almost as though Republicans are rooting for inflation to devastate Americans. I mean, Jonathan, like we're we've reached I, I feel like a psych a psychotic moment, right? For the Republican Party, but also for this country where, to your point, I mean I've been saying it forever. We don't have a two-party system, right? Because a two-party functional democracy would have two parties that work on behalf of their ideologies to come to a place of compromise to do what is best for their citizens, right? That's not where we are. We see time and time again, just recently this week, of simple legislation that could be passed so that we can get to the Build Back Better uh, Act being passed in the Senate Um, being thwarted by Republicans. It doesn't seem to matter, though, if our rebuttal is to tell the American public the truth about, for instance, what is inside of the infrastructure bill or the truth about how Republicans are actively trying to kill them and are successfully doing so, because to your point, the truth doesn't matter and hasn't mattered in such a long time. And so You know, as you continue to go across the country, go around the country into these very red states to talk with uh, white folks, rural folks there, you know, at this point, is there an in? Is there a way to sway or are we just at a point where we need to recognize that 25 percent of the population, the 70 plus million people or 65 million, depending on who you ask, that voted for Donald Trump um, and are... You know, gung-ho with the Republican Party are just going to be just that. And we need to focus instead on the 75 percent that is sane.
2: Well, again, I I do think, and we've talked about this a bunch, there are two things we've talked about a bunch. One is that I do think that we need to have better strategies for, um, we need to have better strategies for addressing the 75 percent. In other words, I do think that there is a time, if we're going to build a party of 75 percent, really need to think about what does that mean? How do you do that? But I also think it's super important just to recognize that just highlighting the, I mean, I, let me just say how crazy it is. I'm in Tennessee right now and they're paying people to not get the vaccine here, basically. I mean, basically the state passed a bill that if you are, if you, if, if there's a vaccine mandate at your work and you lose your job because you refuse to get a, um, the vaccine, then there the state will pay your your unemployment insurance and these are the same people who were critiquing the stimulus right they're the same guys who were saying oh it's crazy but now they're creating people who are monetized for not for losing their jobs for not getting the vaccine and the state's paying for them so consistency is not the strong suit here but if you if the goal is to take power um to create an army of the unvaccinated, which I do think is what the Republicans are trying to do right now, to create a kind of orc army of people who are basically martyrs in a certain kind of way that they're willing to throw their health out the window in pursuit of this larger goal. And the question is, what's your response to that? Um, and I and I don't I don't see I don't see the Democrats having that in their arsenal right now. How to how to respond but, to that? But in a particular is way. I mean
0: to be fair, Jonathan, because I critique Democrats all the time. You know, is there a response to people that literally change the rules of every game whenever they get the ball? So, for instance, it was largely panned, right, and we rescinded unemployment benefits because we were told by CEOs and shareholders and Republicans who are in their pocket that people are just being paid to stay home and we got to save the economy, open up the economy, right? And so a, a way to do that was to then punish those people that had lost their jobs, couldn't afford to put food on the table, are now back in lines at food pantries to do so. And we cut off their unemployment benefits. Now, Republicans are saying, no, no, no. We're going to use our tax dollars in our states to now fund people to sit at home and spread a virus. Like they're literally paying COVID at this point. And so if that's if that's what they're doing, and, and it doesn't matter if we point out their hypocrisy, we point out them speaking out of both sides of their mouth. I just am confused about what the alternative is
2: Well, there's no answer right now, right? We're paying defense all the time. I mean, I've been saying for two years, and I don't have any more insight into this than anybody else. Um, well, maybe I have a little bit more um is we need to put the Republicans on the defensive with their base. in other words, we as in addition to building our base. We've, we've passed multiple chances where we were we could really target, make make Republicans answer to their base, which means actually understanding what motivates their base and trying to circumvent that narrative. And so in addition to like paying attention to ourselves and paying attention to the 75% of people who on my flight just now were wearing masks and were afraid of the 25% of the people who refused to wear masks, but you also have to figure out a way to Put Republicans make them pay the price for their for their policies with their base, which means having ways to talk to their base in ways that are not the usual Democratic ways. Now, I, I realize it's just easy for me, some random guy, to say that, and I know the Lincoln Project is, you know, on the outs and all that kind of stuff right now. But at least they were the one time where it's like, oh yeah, we're speaking their language in a way. And I think there are multiple times, I mean, I'm watching infrastructure right now. What messaging are we doing around this great infrastructure bill that, we're, that we already passed that's going to shape the narrative, right? And so in a way, it's just, I mean, again, I think we've just given up on people and say, oh, they're too far gone. But I don't think that's the goal. The goal is make, make Republicans have to answer to their base. You know, what's wrong with you that your leader didn't give you health care? Or Trump lost the election. Trump's a loser. Ask Trump why he's a loser. Losers lose elections, you know stuff like that. Like we never, we never make, we never put them on the defensive with their own people. And so I think until we start doing that, and and maybe it's too late now, but even with the Affordable Care Act and all these kind of things, and, and again, it's not like they're all listening to MSNBC and stuff like that. But I just think we, we've, we've, we've let ourselves become too isolated in our own messaging and who we talk to and stuff like that. And so my sense is just people aren't crazy. They're act, they're not like pants on fire crazy, but I do think that, th- that there's a vacuum where there's no counter message to all this crazy stuff. And I think we've kind of given up on that. That's my that's my critique of, of this stuff is um, at earlier time, maybe it's too late now, but at the earlier time when vaccines first came out, when we had a chance to expand the Affordable Care Act during the beginning parts of the pandemic, when people were getting money from the government, when um, when the infrastructure bill is passed, there's a chance to shape that narrative, not just for people who already agree with us, but to put Republicans on the defensive from, you know, shape the narrative to people who don't agree with you, right? And force them to answer that. And I don't know, it's funny, you and I have talked about this. I, Jonathan Part, and I had a good conversation about this kind of stuff, but it's just, that's not the kind of messaging we do. It's kind of like, oh, you don't see the benefit of stimulus, what's wrong with you or something like that. And so I don't know, we're really good at the diagnosis and this is a horrible diagnosis, right? They are literally, I can just tell you, I'm living down Mm -hmm. here in Tennessee. They are literally creating an army of people who will, who are, who they're creating an army of the unvaccinated. I mean, that's what it feels like. Um, And so the question is, how do you circumvent that? You, well, you build your own forces, but you also shape the narrative in ways that make them play defense. And and we never make them play defense. You
0: know, I agree on the defense part. And I honestly think that it is, and I blame the mainstream media a lot for this because they also benefit. They benefit from the back and forth. They benefit from those ratings. And there is an opportunity that, you know, during the entire Trump administration, I watched the questions or non-questions that were asked. And I listened to them interview Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. And don't ever ask them like, why is it that you don't care about your base dying of COVID? Why is it that you are kowtowing to people that are egregiously bigots, right? And racist. And I and I want to zoom out for a moment on our collective worry around uh, COVID-19 and how we're dealing with it or not dealing with it in the States in terms of the 25% that just ain't going to get fucking vaccinated. And I want to turn um, attention for a moment to what happened over the holiday with regard to the announcement of a new variant um, that was identified in South Africa, Omicron. And, you know, I have been really uh outraged and expressing those views on Twitter around the knee-jerk reaction to ban uh Severn African nations when in fact, at the same time that it was announced. Through South African doctors and scientists that the new variant was discovered, it was also found to be in parts of Europe. And now it's all over Europe, right? As of this recording, there are over 220, uh, uh, roughly 224, I think Dr. Fauci had said, um uh known cases of Omicron uh version of COVID. What is your reaction to what what are your thoughts about? How the United States, how the Biden administration handled the transparency out of South Africa and then turned around and economically punished in my and those are my words economically punished the seven countries a, around South Africa, including South Africa
2: The question I've been asking myself is, would they have the had the have the, would they have had the same response if it was coming from somewhere else? And I'm going to give you a counterintuitive answer. I think they would have. Um, And the reason is, I know that there's a lot of racism, colonial history, all these factors at play here. But I think beneath all of this, and of course that shaped part of it, but I think beneath all of this, the most important point about what's happened is that the virus has mutated in a way that in their wildest dreams, scientists could not have anticipated. So I think when people saw these mutations on the spike protein, the scariest part about all this, it was just like a kick in the scrotum moment for for scientists around the country, around the world, because I don't think they thought that a virus could mutate as quickly as this. It just came totally out of the blue. and So there was a panic moment, I think, and I think the, the response of that panic moment in the first moment was... Just give us some more time to just catch our breath and figure out what happened here. And so, I think that the panic was of the thing. Now, certainly they responded the wrong way. They they had a bad week, no doubt about that kind of stuff. But I do think that the impulse of let's just protect ourselves while we figure out what we're facing because what we're, what we're facing is so incredibly unexpected that I would I I would. I would think, and I don't know, that if you under a microscope saw this level of mutation, it's three years too soon for this virus to be mutating this way. I mean, it's just it's it's unheard of, and viruses don't act this way. And so all of a sudden, people got terrified. They had PTSD from you know what happened before, and and they acted irrationally. There's no doubt about that. But I I also I mean, if they would have said, here's this horrible this kind of, of variation and we're not going to do any kind of travel change or anything like that. I think that there would have been a different kind of backlash and stuff like that. Now, I think this this is going to get righted. But again, I think that the most important point to remember here is that the virus itself was completely unexpected, completely un- we're just not pre- we were never prepared but, for that. But
0: is it is it so unexpected when we the delta variant quickly took over the OG COVID variant? Right, like I mean, I I I'm saying well, the the amount of mutations is unexpected, but it mutating is not unexpected because it happened damn near ten months after it was discovered.
2: Well, no, there's no doubt that me, I mean that this kind of mutation, I mean, somebody think it was always going to compete with Delta. There's no doubt, and we knew that, and and we should have certainly been. While well, I mean, we got a lot of problems here um but certainly getting (laughs) that's an
0: understatement jonathan
2: i'm saying we got a lot of
0: problems
2: i'm just saying like the fact that i mean i wish that we would have vaccinated the entire world i wish that we would have vaccinated everywhere but also i don't know we got a lot of problems and so we're not the most functional group right now and so it just everything's pretty dysfunctional so um but the other thing is even if you would have vaccinated half of Africa and there still would have been this vaccine, this variant, excuse me, I still think it would have been a holy shit moment for the world because the world looked under that microscope and saw these kind of variations. And it was just, I mean, yes, mutation was expected. Yes. Mutation from Africa was terrified and feared and people were warning about it. Yes. The possibility of a mutation coming either from an animal source or an immunocompromised person was, so all these things were things people were talking about, but then to have this level of mutation. And, and I guess the reason it's scary is because no one knows what it means. It either could mean a no big deal thing, or it could mean an extinction event. Like nobody really knows what this kind of virus is because we've never seen a virus mutate this way. And so, uh, and so part of the issue is I'm sure very well-trained scientists acted like racist third graders. That's probably what happened for about I, I a week. Mean, and the, I mean,
0: because I just want to go back to that point. Because again, when this was identified, it was simultaneously identified having already made it to Belgium, to the Netherlands, you know, to other places at the same time that it was discovered in South Africa. And and I think that the, the, what I'm what worries me is that we don't seem to be actively learning from our past transgressions, meaning that travel bans don't work. You cannot ban the virus. You can create quarantine mitigations for people that are coming from outside of the country. You can create <coughs> uh, vaccine mandates for airlines. Um, you can do those things that make sense. But putting up a travel ban and then saying that, oh, but uh, foreign nationals can't come into the United States. But if you are a United States citizen or a permanent resident, you can come in. It's like, what are you doing? Right. It's just it. once again, it feels to me like politics Making the you know making the coin tosses and not and not health and science. Am I wrong?
2: Well, I think you're wrong. I mean, I do. I I, really, I mean, I'm sure. partially, pers- I'm sure you're partially right. I'm sure you're partially right. I, I I do think you're partially right in terms of I, if this would have come from Amsterdam, if this would have come from you know the Playboy Mansion in California, or wherever it is, would they have isolated it? But I will say, so certainly the fact that it was coming from Africa led to a ban on all of Africa. Certainly Mm -hmm. that is something that it was not right. Absolutely. But I would say that the two things I would push back about are, number one, if you're a public health expert, how are you trained? You're trained to isolate the source of the outbreak, right? That's how public health has been trained for centuries, right? Typhoid Mary shut down that neighborhood or cholera outbreak. You know, shut down the neighborhood, let's isolate it, let's figure out how to treat it, but let's also not let people out of where the thing is, and that's every contagion movie, you know, that remember that one with Oh out- outbreak. And, I literally put you know? it on the other day. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know why. And then I shut it off yeah. within like ten minutes. So I was like, I'm not watching
2: that. Yeah, we, well the thing is like they had it much better than we do. We got it way worse than, than World War Z. We, we I mean, World War Z didn't anticipate that half the people would want to be zombies, you know. That that wasn't part <laughs> Shit. of the script. <laughs> 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 uh
0: Oh no what I'm saying
2: when when you're a public health expert you're trained to isolate and then figure out a strategy and so I think they went into unconscious public health mode which, with with about a lot of implicit bias I'm not denying that um but i but I would say that right now it's also like the wrong impulse right because a virus is a global problem which I think we're realizing um did it slow the spread well I don't think the us has a pot to piss in but i would say let's say you live in israel where they totally shut down everybody coming in they now i mean they're gonna everybody's gonna get hit with this but they have you know if israel would have kept their borders open a smaller country where they can control the borders that kind of stuff so i don't know i'm just saying i think public health experts acted like public health experts and also there's this history we didn't learn from and Hopefully, this turns out to be a bunch of hype, and if not, then we're totally fucked. Those are my that's my sense.
0: I mean, you know, I, I, the the last thing that I will say on this is, you know, Dr. Fauci um, announced, you know, that there were fifty different mutations, right? That they are seeing that we will not know for probably two to four weeks um, what this actually means. And I think that that is terrifying, right? And I get the fact that you want to create policy or find a way to alleviate the fear that has spread, that is spreading all over, you know, uh, all over wall street. That's the fear that's, you know, spreading around the country right now where people were anticipating being able to go back to normal at the beginning of 2022. And now there's a whole new fucking variant that no one knows what it can do, what it will do if it's worse, if it's faster in transmission or what have you. But I feel like, We can't ignore and just kind of shrug our shoulders at one of the guiding principles that led to, you know, all of these countries being colonized, which is white supremacy. And the fact is, is that India and South Africa asked for a waiver to be able to create their own vaccines um, that they could manufacture in-country. And because the Modernas and the Pfizers and the Johnson and & Johnsons and wherever the countries that they are headquartered in want to rake in billions, they said, yeah, maybe we'll take that up at a later time. And so I just, well, it can't be lost on us that these lower-income countries are going to pay the brunt of the neglig- the purposeful negligence that i see by higher income countries and then the admonishment of them as if they're the problem when it's really the high- the high wealth nations largely white nations that are to blame.
2: Well again all those things are true 100%. I don't know if they're all related though. In other words, i mean i i don't know. We don't know yet. So we could have everybody in Africa could have been vaccinated and we still could have had this variant. The vaccines may or may not be protective against this variant, in which case we're starting over, in which case, um, in which case, you know, think I about don't even US want, I don't, I don't even know. I don't like, want to say, I want to yeah, say nothing
0: oh in your, which case I like yeah. my, the part of my brain that like is fighter, like literally just shut off <laughs> in which case I yeah, just so, stop.
2: I mean, certain, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We need to vaccinate the world. Absolutely. We need a vaccine that works to vaccinate the world absolutely we screwed up before but i don't know the connection between all those things i don't know it. i don't know and so so you know it's we're going to be you know i mean maybe this thing will be nothing i mean i'm just, i'm waiting like where's the like pleasure variant, you know? <laughs> ah, like, there is none mutate, there is know.
0: none it's called marijuana I, like, that's the fucking pleasure variant. Yeah, but, like it's like called
2: mu- alcohol mutate in, mutate in a way that like Makes you giggle and no. makes you have like three orgasms or that's, something like that. Like I, you know, I I, I want a pleasure variant. I, every variant it, is so bad. Like let's make friends with the coding. This is,
0: this is, uh, there is nothing about the last two years that is leading me to believe that this one is going to be the one that's the good one. <laughs> we are, mov- we are moving, we are moving down, right? chomping at the Greek alphabet right now. And something tells me that when we get to the end, it's not going to be a pot of fucking gold. Uh.
2: Maybe we'll end up with like Sneezy or Droopy or one of the, I don't know, like nope. <laughs> the Droopy variant. Nope.
0: Know. As always, Dr. Jonathan yeah. Metzl, thank you for making time to join us on Woke AF and walk us through how we are all inevitably going to be dying of whiteness. Appreciate you.
2: Well, and the other, the other thing I want to say is if this shit gets really bad. I still have a bunch of Formula 409 and toilet paper from the last one. You should not so announce that I'm happy so to that people
0: will just I'm be sitting outside <laughs> of your Brooklyn apartment waiting upon your return.
2: Right, come on over. All right. Take care.
0: That is it for me today on Woke AF Daily. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.